we are giving you the chance to win a full vehicle wrap from our friends over at Graphic Impressions. The lowest hanging fruit when it comes to building your brand is a simple vehicle wrap. If you talk to any entrepreneur with a wrapped fleet of vehicles, they'll tell you it's a significant source of leads for their business. And we wanna give you a chance to win a vehicle wrap for free. To enter, all you need to do is hit subscribe over on our YouTube channel, which is Breakthrough Academy. It's literally that simple. Plus, you'll stay up to date with all the best contractor evolution content, which will be delivered right to your feed every week. On April 30th, the winner will be randomly selected from our new subscribers and will receive a vehicle wrap on us. So when you get to our channel, click subscribe and you'll automatically be entered to win. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Benji here at the Contractor Evolution Studio. Today's conversation is with Luke Hansen, the founder and CEO of CompanyCam, our favorite photo storage and site management app purpose-built for contractors. Uh, CompanyCam's intuitive platform, it helps you snap, store, sync, and share photos of your jobs so that you, the owner, can better understand what's happening on site. You can empower your crews to make decisions and drive production without having to get in your truck and go out and see them. And it helps you cover your company's butt. It's one of those tools where once you use it, you'll kind of wonder how you ever got along without it. This is not a paid ad for Company Cam. We just really, really like the tool and we prescribe it to a lot of our members. Uh, it's simple, it's cheap, it's a total no-brainer. Now, Luke, in particular, is one of my favorite CEOs in the contracting space, not only because his product rocks, but because he has a really unique perspective on life and business that I think shines through in this episode. And it's important to mention as well that before building a SaaS platform uh, and pitching to venture capitalists, Luke was a roofer working for his family business, White Castle Roofing. He understands the lived experience of the contractor because that was him not that long ago. So in today's episode, I ask him about how he decentralizes command within his organization so that not everything bottlenecks through him and how you can do that in your business too. Um, we talk about how to combat decision fatigue, which is that exhaustion you feel from always being the one calling the shots. And my favorite bit was hearing his perspective on how to make that all-important jump from dreamer with ideas to a true visionary with traction. There's a difference. Listen, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice in a sec our setup looks different. That's because I shot this episode at their headquarters in Lincoln, Nebraska while I was on a road trip last month. Um, don't worry, we'll be back in our regular studio next week. And lastly, for a free trial of Company Cam, click the link in the show notes. If you're not using it already, give your coconut a shake, go give it a try. You will absolutely love it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Luke, thanks for having me here, man. Glad to be here and glad to have you here. I'm excited to do a, uh, a contractor evolution in a studio that isn't our own. So we're here in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is great. And I'm, um, I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you. I wanted to start here. Um, 
You guys have obviously evolved a lot, uh, but there's an origin story I'm curious about, and I want you to speak to the observed problem that you really clearly saw at White Castle Roofing. I think your family, your family's business. What did you see there that led to the creation of Company Cam? Yep. So I come from the roofing industry, been working in it my whole life almost, you know, up until now. And back in 2014, I was running the marketing at our company. And then I was also managing like the siding and gutter division. And it was apparent to me that we needed to take photos. We needed to take photos to cover our butt. You know, we need it. If you don't have any evidence of what it looked like before, right. You've got all, you're open to problems later. Um, we needed especially to like plan and coordinate, to be able to sit down and talk about what we were going to do. And especially for me, because we, we knew roofing. Like I, I, I've done so much roofing. You see things, you know what you're looking for. You just have that institutional knowledge of having done it for 20 years. Totally. Uh, but we didn't have that with the siding and gutters. And we would make these like dumb mistakes or, you know, the work order would say, hey, uh, it's one story. So mm. we'd show up with like a 12-foot ladder mm. and we're trying to wrap the fascia on a 40-foot gable. And I saw, there's all these things where I was, okay, <clears throat> if we can sit here and, and look at the thing and talk about it, then we can make sure that we're covering our bases and we all know what's going on and we're not going to be wondering if you're trying to do this thing kind of sideways and I wanted it done this way. Mm -hmm. And so people... This is back when people had those, like they'd pull the little micro SD card out of their phone totally. and slide it into the larger I remember that. <laughs> SD thing. And you get adapters for Into certain. your computer yeah. and like some people would print them off. I mean, <laughs> so it's like this disaster. So I set up Dropbox and tried to get people to put their photos in Dropbox and then we couldn't find them because people would forget and they wouldn't name the folder right. And it just was this whole thing. And I kept thinking, okay, um, we need photos for you know, the reasons I mentioned and more. Uh, we, I can't find them. Like they're just, they're on someone's phone. They didn't get uploaded. It's just this mess. And I'm like, we need these organized by the location. You mm. know, the location doesn't change. Like almost every contractor organizes things by like the job the address, address, like totally. it's kind of the core record. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, it's basically just like photos by location. Someone's probably done that. Like, let's look around. So I started Googling and looking everywhere and they're, I couldn't believe there just wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted a full-on uh, system, you know, like a job Nimbus-style system or a contractor's cloud or one of those, there was ways to get photos in there. But there was nothing that was kind of this just simple, solve this one problem. And after a while, I got to thinking, because I was listening to podcasts, you know, like this. <laughs> they get you thinking. They get you believing that you can do things. Think you're a genius. Yeah, they, that you can I make just it finished happen. three hours. They're like, know everything about digital marketing now. <laughs> exactly. You'll never run a bad Facebook ad again. <laughs> um, and I was like, we should try this. So I, uh, I run on the ask forgiveness versus permission Same. framework for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I, I went and hired a, a, like a dev shop, a couple local guys that write software for businesses, and told them, this app idea. It's like, hey, basically wanted to use their GPS and organize the photos that way so that we can find them. That was the simple thing. We need to find them later. And that needs to be easy. And right, I just want to pause there. Taking the photos, a relatively easy part, remembering where you put it, what it's actually detailing, who it's meant to go to and be viewed by. That's yeah. the part where it gets like a total mess. I know folders on my computer just from screenshots are a complete and total disaster. So it's like that whole web gets extremely yes. messy very fast. So getting it in, 
just under the right job. So I just go to this job, you know, the, the address is what it was like. At the time, we called them places. We didn't even call them projects. Now we call them projects. But before, it was like a place. Photos connected to a place. Right. And then you always knew, because it was happening in this app, who took the photo, which is a key point. If like there's a concern over on this job, it's like, oh, Adam was over there. I'm going to talk to him about it. And then you knew when they were taken. Mm. So you could kind of see over time, okay, we did this at this point. Someone went back and did this. And you've got kind of that visual story that you're building at this place. But yes, the finding of the photos. Because, you know, you're looking at image underscore 6741930. And I, I, so I was talking about the kind of cover your butt aspect, the planning coordination, but I was also responsible for the marketing. Mm. And I was trying to, we were rebuilding the website and I wanted to give people, um, a ton of pictures of roofs that we've done so that they could see what different types of you know houses look like with different colors of shingles. Because no, you don't, you, you can get that sample board sure. and go hold it up to your siding and try to kind of imagine. But it's, if you can just look at a bunch of pictures, you can be like, oh, I kind of want it to look like that. Or my house kind of looks like that. And I like the weathered wood better than the charcoal or whatever. And I, I just, I was like, staring at all these pictures trying to figure out oh, crap was that that house over on LaSalle is that though is that a Owens Corning mm-hmm. or a landmark and mm-hmm. it's like just yeah once 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 we started to get it organized then we were on the way to solving our problem you kind of knew you had something at that point <clears throat> we realized pretty quickly when we started using it that we had something so this question might seem kind of obvious now that you're this far down the path, but it's 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 worth unpacking. When you think of a, a a contracting business, it's operationally complex. There's different job sites. There's vehicles driving around town. There's 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 employed people. There's subcontractors. There's the customer. There's the business owner. Um, there's a lot going on. I actually think there's a lot more going on in any like roofing company or construction company than, than that entrepreneur gives themselves credit for. They're, 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 oh, yeah. they're, they're very difficult. Why, what about a photo is so fundamental? Like why is this so important for communication, for efficiency, for compliance, for quality control? Why what? is a photo so You're critical? You're nailing it, yeah. So, you know, there's these phrases like, oh, a picture's worth a thousand words. It's these kind of dumb right. cliches, but they're, when it comes to, contracting you are you're making something or building something you're changing something in the world you might be digging holes to put in a fence or ripping off shingles and putting on a new roof and a photo is the sort of clear proof of what is the state of mm. that right now mm-hmm. right and and it's not it doesn't have to be explained sometimes you need that extra context but just being able to see what the state of something is and know this is what the state of it was when we were out there two weeks ago. This is what the state of it is today. And that's, you know, with company cam, that kind of real time nature of that, seeing the state of that in real time is really helpful. And it, it, it for us, and that was surprising, was because I, I was working on that organization problem that let's find it so that we have it. Mm-hmm. And once we realized that, oh, like this kind of real time seeing everything, seeing all of these pictures actually saves us a ton of text communication, right. phone calls, driving around. And it's like this, 
this large amount of almost like passive information coming your way that you can pick things out of. And for me, a lot of it was marketing. Like I would see a funny picture that someone took or something that looked really nice and I could quickly like drop it on at the time, Facebook right. is where everyone was. Or, you know, one day, Abel, bless his heart, because he's really smart and really good, but he's screwing up. He was putting the Tyvek uh, behind the step flashing, which is like, that's a problem because water runs downhill, you know? So like, it's one thing, we would have had a leak in right. 18 months, right. but when you see it, you don't need, if I'm on the phone with Abel and I'm like, oh, hey, are you putting, what am I gonna ask him? Are you putting the Tyvek behind the step flashing? I just don't know to do that, but seeing it all, it's just so, you get so much more information that way than trying to affirmatively communicate everything via phone or text. Well, and this is a really important piece for our listeners who are like at the stage in their business where they're no longer on the site most of the day. Like they're not there quarterbacking every decision. They're not like making sure the process gets executed perfectly. They're meeting other clients. They're in their office, they're doing strategic planning, they're, they're building out a marketing campaign. Like they're, they're truly entering that stage of entrepreneurship where they have some distance. They have some insulation between them and the actual goings on of the business, if that makes sense. And so I think when you say a picture says a thousand words, like I remember phone calls with my job site manager where we'd spend 20 minutes like trying to like describing where the, like why the ladder can't go here and why he can't access a certain piece of siding and i'd be like be like what about this what about that wait can you explain that again i mean and i feel like an idiot now in hindsight now that these you know this is 10 years ago but like if he just sent me a photo and like drawn a little squiggle line on it and like add some text that's like an instantaneous decision and a very quick solution rather than this like huge bogged down, very slow verbal communication. Absolutely. It's a, it's a shared, it, it creates that shared understanding of what's going on, of what the state of things are. And that allows for that effective communication. Does this make, um, does this make like empowering staff easier? And if so, how? Like, how does this make a project manager, a site supervisor, a lead carpenter, um, you know, the head honcho of a roofing crew, whomever, how does it make them own their role better and really drive results, drive performance? How does it put them in the cockpit of that site? Yeah. So, you know, our company mission is to build trust through truth and transparency. Mm. And we think of what's being captured in company cam, these photos, videos, that's the truth on the ground. That, that is, it's time stamped, it's GPS stamped. So you've got that foundation of truth. of truth, of seeing exactly what is, which allows you to communicate more effectively, to do accountability. And so then, that, you know, that transparently sharing it through your organization. Because when, when you're using company cam, you know, you're taking pictures and anyone that you give access to in your company can see most any of the pictures getting taken. And there's permissions that you can set, but just in general, it's mm -hmm. just kind of open, you're seeing what's going on. And so a lot of, we would have situations pop up where we'd see, uh, they'd be tearing off a roof, they'd start to take pictures, and it's clearly there's rotten decking. And before they like called or even said, we need to do something, I'd be talking with Zach, our ops person, and he'd be like, yep, I've already got Jose running over there with 12 sheets of OSB. And that just giving, empowering everyone with better information is immediately a way that, uh, that, that they can just take control and act faster. But a lot of, sorry. I just, well, I was, I was going to say so that the entrepreneur doesn't have to. 
Absolutely. Like that, that's, that's the key point here because, um, one thing I've, I've become acutely aware of with all the members that we work with and our listeners is this idea of like decision fatigue. Contractors are t- like overwhelmed by how much of the business runs through them. Decision, a fork in the road, do we go right or do we go left? This person didn't show up, what do we do? The customer wants to change colors, what do we do? Like that's a few examples, I could come up with a hundred more. There's so many details and choices. Um, there's so much like analysis and weighing pros and cons that an entrepreneur has to do in the running of their business. And I wonder if you just have thoughts on that whole idea. I'm, I'm sure like our listeners get that, but from your perspective, how does being the one calling all the shots impede growth and, and slow you down from getting to where you want to go as an entrepreneur? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, anytime, like that's what you would call a central point of failure, right? If you're trying to optimize a system, if everything has to go through one bottleneck, be that me as the CEO here, or um, even could even be sometimes a project manager, you're running a contracting business, like the more things that have to go through you slow everyone down. So it's, and it's way easier said than done, but we try to push decisions down the org as low as possible. The idea that it is usually the case that the person closest to the problem is in the best position to solve that problem. Jocko Willink calls that decentralized command. Yeah, you, it, you're, you're pushing decision making away from the top and towards the bottom. Yes, and to do that, you do have to have a shared understanding of what you're trying to do, like a shared vision right, right. of this is what we're trying to accomplish. You also need uh, a shared values that people can understand, you know, like principles or values that help them. For example, if you say uh, quality is our North Star or mm. something like that, well, then that tells the, and you believe it, you have to actually believe it, right? You can say a lot of things, but if you don't yourself act on them, then um, you're gonna put people in a, a little bit of a pinch. But you know, if quality is your North Star and you're dealing with a customer and they're like, well, that doesn't look good, there's a bump, you know, they've got a problem and the problem is quality. Well, the person who's closest to that problem shouldn't need to come back to you and say, hey, should we fix this thing or should we tell them just to leave it? Like, they should know because of your principles and your priorities, the what to rails. do. Yeah. And a lot of that, like I, I think of, of thinking, I do a lot of my thinking out loud of just talking to people, you know, like I, we know thinking that. and talking exactly. And the, 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 the bad part about that is it gets a little boring and tedious. <laughs> the good part though, is that you're kind of externalizing how you think about things right. and helping other people understand that because it's, like even our mission, build trust for truth and transparency. We, we backed into that by kind of like discovering what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have told you day one mm-hmm. that that was kind of the core element of company cam, what we were trying to accomplish. Um, we realized that over time as we were making decisions and, and, and just running our business that like, oh, that this trust is the core idea and these photos are the truth. And that like we discovered that. And so that engaging, rather than giving someone a solution immediately, sometimes you have to do that. Right. But if you can engage them in questions, in help, not helping them think through it in a patronizing way, but just talking it out with someone and asking them questions so that you're building up that ability for them to understand both how you think and how you see problems so that in the future, 
they don't have to even ask you, they can just do it. And it's like, it strikes me as like an analog of parenting. You know, I can tie my kid's shoes every time his shoes come untied, but then he's not gonna be able to tie his own shoes. And it's, you add a little time, that's always the frustration is time. Mm -hmm. And that's what you sort of lack on any given day. You get a ton of things going on and it's like, okay, I can just decide this, I can do fix it. this problem yeah, for this person it, right and now. And it just right. saves time. But yeah, you, that's a recipe for staying small and not scaling. So <clears throat> I want to go back to something that you said earlier, because I think it's, it's really important, which is in order to push decision-making down the organization, you need to have vision and you need to have values. And I feel like both of those words have become so buzzy and they're peppered into every single PowerPoint slide you're ever going to see. Every business guru on Instagram is going to talk about it until you're red in the face. Mm -hmm. Almost no one actually explains the actual practical why. It's just like something that you do and we all like values and integrity and quality and we put them on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then you got to have vision, man. You got to have vision, bro. It's like, what, like why? And what does that even mean? So when you're talking, we talk about pushing decision-making down the organization, why are those two things so fundamentally important? How do they make doing that easier for the people, for the boots on the ground actually doing the work? Oh, yeah. Well, the, I remember when, when I started this company, Company Cam, I thought that we were building an app, right? Like, that's what I was trying to do. We need to build this app. We need to make this app better. We're building an app. And it took me a long time to realize, no, we're building a company. And this mm. company makes an app. Right. But it's... It's the people are the most important piece of that. And the product is very important, that next layer up. And then, you know, there's all sorts of things, sales, marketing, you know, last would probably be like video and audio people. <laughs> it's just Sorry, the guys. subtle troll on the room. Um, no, but that realizing that um, the only way that my job is basically to try to help keep everyone pointed in the direction, in one direction. Like, hey, this is the thing we're trying to do. It's not that I invent all of the ideas. There are a whole bunch of it. I, you don't you do. talk to people. You, right. you almost discover, but it's that unifying, like, hey, we're moving this direction. This is where we're trying to go. But at every level, sort of obsoleting yourself, taking yourself out of it, finding someone um, better than you, or that at least can be better than you, that is the name of the game in entrepreneurship. Like, being a solo newer, doing everything yourself. I mean, look, if you love the work, I don't want to be down on anyone for just right. doing something they love doing. But if you're trying to grow, um, roping other people in mm -hmm. and having them work is the secret. You're unlocking all of this. I can't do, I can't set up these cameras, record this audio. I see them out there editing video. Um, we've got another, we've got a, a guy over here doing um, like really good uh design and drawing stuff. I can't do any of that. And if I, I could do it poorly actually. Right. right? And if I try to try to keep doing all of that, then we are going to be stuck. Like we have this ceiling mm -hmm. and the only way is to keep finding, I've told a bunch of our uh, executives here, like the way that you don't get hired above is you hire someone that you would work for to work for you. Mm -hmm. And if you hire someone that you would work for, except they're working for you, then you like the sky's the absolute limit. And that's why I feel like I've done. I've hired a bunch of people that I would work for that work for me and they're doing better than I would do it. And that just allows us to keep going. 
What are company cams core values and, and just briefly explain what they mean to you guys and how you've integrated them into the business. So our core values are show up, grow up and do good. We got a little alliteration going on. So show up. You're a poet. Yeah. Didn't know it. No. So show up. I mean, that's like the basic thing, right? You just have to show up even when you don't want to, when you're tired, when your flight lands at 3 a.m. Like that's half of the battle is getting there and just committing to I'm going to at least try. Don't they right? say that about parenting too? 90% of it is just showing up. I, that, sounds, that sounds good. I think they it's a quote from it. Modern Family. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But it's a good line. I love the show. Yeah. No, it is. But so showing up. So that's what, that's a, a big value here. It's like just show up. There's stories of uh, one time they, they messed up shipping our trade show booth and uh, one of Lauren, who's now our, our VP of like people operations, but she was in the marketing team at that point. She drove 12 hours to Dallas through the middle of the night to just show up because that's what needed to happen. Right. Someone just had to do it. And so we value that. The grow up part, I think of myself as constantly needing to grow up. Mm. I was thinking about that when I was thinking of the, this podcast today and driving in. I was, just, I was thinking on this idea of becoming more mature, more reliable, and just just committing to this idea that you are capable of more and that you can do better than you're doing now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that growth mindset, but that idea of growing up, it's like a invocation almost to myself. Like, hey, you gotta grow up a little bit or say it to other people around here. And so that, that's one of our values. It's just this constant growing up and that attitude that we're all capable of more than we are right now. Mm -hmm. And then the do good piece is, um, it sounds a little cheesy, but it's like, it's like treat people well, do the right thing. I mean, I watched to the point of running a contracting business. I watched my dad manage his roofing company over my whole life. And he treats people well. He treats them. He runs high integrity. Right. He treats people respectfully. And I saw that, I mean, work out over time. I just saw, and I've seen other people trying to make that extra like incremental buck on the storm and right. shady. And, and like, I've seen that just fail over time. It might work out this year and you buy a boat or whatever, but that's not the 20 year strategy. Right. And that, that we just have a new hiring class in here today, a hiring class, we hired like seven people. And they were saying, man, it's just like the atmosphere. They, they're just really happy to be here. Yeah. And that, that commitment to, treating people well, the fact that they matter more than the profit of any given job or something like that, that works over time. And this is, you gave a talk yesterday about competitive labor market, hiring people. I mean, it is hard. People, talented people have a ton of options. And, and so, it, yes, those are our values. Sorry, I kind of started selling them pretty hard there, but that <laughs> show up, grow up, do good. Um, that's what we believe in. I love it. Okay. So Luke, just to like sort of summarize um, a couple things here we were talking about offline for the listeners, and then I'm going to get to the question. Company Cam has been around for how long? How many years? I'll say seven. Okay, seven years. Um, we've got fifteen. You have fifteen thousand different businesses using it. 162 employees. You're storing half a billion photos right now. Um, you have a body of work, right? I'm not, I'm not saying the journey's over and you've made it and whatever, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, um, 
you know, b- blow smoke up your ass here, but you do have a That's business. <laughs> we'll do that after. <laughs> you have, you've got a business here. You've, you've got, you've got something substantial. You've done something. Okay. And so here's my question because, um, I know a lot of people that we work with, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they've got a lot of ideas. They're highly creative. Um, they, they, they want, they shoot for the stars. They talk about things that they aspire towards, but there's a very clear difference between a visionary, as we've come to understand what that word means, and just a straight up dreamer. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are dreamers trying to become a visionary. And I think a slim percentage of them actually do. And sadly, a larger percentage just remain in dreamer status forever. They got a ton of business ideas and they want, you, they want to tell you about them, but none of them ever become what they deserve to become. So the question for you, because you, you know, you probably were a dreamer one day. You're a highly creative. Oh, I'm still a dreamer. Yeah. You're a, yeah, but you, but you've, but you've done the work. This is my point. You're a highly creative ideas guy that talks a lot and is like very charismatic. And you know, you strike me as one of those people. And yet here we are seven years later with, with something pretty substantial that we can reach out and touch. So the question is what must highly creative entrepreneurs do be aware of or change to become a visionary with traction rather than just a dreamer with lots of ideas? That is a great question. And I'm really glad that you, that you asked it to me before <laughs> because I had to think really hard about that. <laughs> and so I, I, I've got three things here and I'm actually gonna start with a third, work my way okay. backwards. The number three is you cannot let your fear of failure or your fear of looking stupid or being embarrassed prevent you from action. And I think there's a lot of ideas that people have, they might, you know, could work out, they, maybe not, but they don't act on them uh, because they are afraid of failing. And they, sometimes I don't even know how really articulated that is in people's heads, but it is. Like if you try something, when I tried this app, right? It could have just not worked and it would have looked stupid. Oh, that guy who just dad owns a roofing company thought he, he tried could to start, build an try app. To start a tech company and like, nice try, dumbass. Like, so, <laughs> and that very likely could have happened, you know? And sometimes it's almost luck in between. I don't want to say that it's all of what it is, but you just have to be okay with the fact that you might fail and that you might look stupid. You might even fail while looking stupid. Where do you think the fear of looking stupid comes from? Because I think it's a, I think it's an affliction of the vast majority of the human species. Like it's an it's a part of the human experience that yeah. fear of looking stupid. It, but the people who get over it seem to do a lot better. There's, I mean, I remember trying to learn how to play the drums. I decided like when I was 21 or something that I wanted to play the drums, and I looked really stupid for a long time. <laughs> I was bad. It was embarrassing to watch. And in fact, I never got that good. But that, the, the willingness to persevere there, there's so much value on the other side of that. But look, you know, I don't know, we all are trying to, uh, we care a lot about status. We wanna like uh, meet a husband, wife, partner, you know, and a lot of, I, I don't know, you even see these birds dancing around and like, <laughs> like we're trying to do this thing that show other people that like, hey, we're competent. Like we're, I'm enough. you're a person that, right. you know, I'm a person that you should want to be with. And we want to like project that out to the world. And um, it's one thing to kind of like be projecting that. But if you try something risky, 
then all of that is sort of up in the air and it mm-hmm. might, it just might fall apart on you. And I think that's what's, I think that is why. I mean, I don't know the fundamental reason of why we care about that like really deeply, but I know that it is super powerful. And it's, I think I'm on the pretty high end of people who are ready to look stupid and willing to try something. And I still care about it a lot. I really don't want to look dumb and embarrass myself. And But you're willing to take the risk for something greater. Yes. And I think it's like a muscle, like a muscle. That's, but it's like anything. No, it you is. can practice. I remember Tim Ferriss saying he would ask for a discount at the coffee shop. He would, every time he would go order coffee, right. he, he, it was like a challenge to just ask for the 10% good guy discount or something. And it's just that like practicing doing things that make you uncomfortable because that is the path forward. And so that when I, when I, when people tell me their ideas, cause now that I've, that this is basically working, mm-hmm. I get pitched a lot of things and a lot of people hit me up, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And sometimes they do it and I'm like cheering them on. But a lot of times it's, there's an innumerable amount of excuses. If you wanna start inventing them that are gonna prevent you from, from, from action, from taking all the incremental steps forward, you will think of a literal million excuses. They're there, they're, they're not hard there. to come up with. No, they're not, but that, yeah. So that just, you just have to move and you can't it's be been, afraid of that. It's been, um, it's been my experience that to get good at anything, you have to be quite bad at it for a while. And that, that, that period of time might be longer than you want, but it's definitely not going to be longer than the period of time that you're good at that same thing once you get through that part. But there's a, you know, shooting yourself in the foot process that happens to a lot of business owners, artists, creatives, whomever, um, that that comes from this fear of looking stupid. It's safety. I mean, it's it's always safer to not do something because you're you're okay right now, and that's safe. So that's the first. What's the second? So the second one I put here is delegate and elevate. I'm stealing some uh, some uh, nice phrases More rhymes. from people. Yeah, yeah. So delegate and elevate. I mean, I'm an eight, like I'm an instigator. Like, you know, you were talking about starting this company. I, I'm ideas, starting things. And if I have to like output the finished document, man, that takes me forever. If I ever get it done, I've got a million problems with it. I, like I'm procrastinating, you know, like, so finding people that aren't the same as you that have different strengths than you and really letting them run with things and truly handing it off. That's what's hard that because I have a, I have a lot of opinions about this app. Mm-hmm. I had, I, there was a long time where I had too many opinions about the marketing of this company. And I was deep into the back end of like the Facebook ads and just systematically letting that stuff go and handing it over to someone else and I mean, you are looking for people that are ready to take responsibility. That's a key thing that, I mean, we're looking for here every day or trying to keep your eyes on is like, who wants more responsibility and is ready for the accountability? Step up to and the then plate. you've got to hand it over to them. And it might go, it might, the first time it might not work, it might not work three times in a row. But again, it, if it all comes to me, I'm gonna have a whole bunch of things that are 80% done kind of almost there. And I have to let other people run with those things, get them pushed, kind of helping them start. I think that's what a visionary is really good for. You're charting the path, you're looking into the future and you're helping other people start. And then 
relying on them to finish. And so it really is a game of other people. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on this, uh, this delegate and elevate piece around like knowing when someone's ready? Because I, I, this question comes up like in webinar chat rooms. It comes up and we get asked DMs through, through social media. It comes up at our, at our conferences. They're like, how do I know when my project manager is like, re- like, you know, ready to take the next step? Or how do I know when like this person is ready to move from this position to this position? Is it, is it an intuitive feel? Can you quantify it? Is it just experience? I do. I mean... A lot of it is people's work will show for itself. You know, like you see people just taking things and taking ownership of them. I, it is almost like a you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to say that I'm perfect at this any given way. I mean, because I failed on both sides of this, of waiting way too long to give someone responsibility that could handle a lot more. A lot and, sooner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and vice versa, giving someone way too much responsibility that they just weren't, because sometimes it's the shape of a thing. If it's just more responsibility um, down the exact same thing they're doing, that's that's a little cleaner versus like, oh, I'm moving from doing the work to managing people. Right. That's sort of a shift in like almost like the whole job. And that's when it's a lot harder when you're when you're taking more of a gamble versus, hey, if you know you did a great uh but it's like hiring a crew, you know. Right. You did a great job today. Like, oh, well, I'll give you two jobs tomorrow. Right. Like that that's just cleaner, that's more task yeah. oriented rather than like a, a true so, shift no, in the role. I wish I had something better to give you there, but quite honestly, I don't. <laughs> I heard, um, I heard a good soundbite on this at our expert panel at Winter Summit a couple months ago because this question came up, and someone said like, when someone can do something eighty percent as well as you can, it's time to give it over to them because. The 80% is good enough, right? Is, is, is good yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and they're going to get to 100% much faster with the stuff on their plate now. They might suffer over the short term. They might make a mistake that costs you. They might come back to you two weeks later saying, I feel, over my, I feel overwhelmed or I'm in over my head. And that's, that's your job as a good leader to then support them in whatever way they need. But the timing of it, I think, I think matters. And I think that 80% rule kind of makes sense to me and I also think there's a tendency, like more often than not, people are keeping individuals in their business from doing things longer. Like the ratio of people who like don't let people excel is higher than the ratio of people who give them too much too early. Like there's a tendency to hold oh, yeah. on. Oh, holding you, on is definitely the more problem. normal more thing. More people suffer from holding too tightly than right. to letting too much go. Right. I, it, I mean, and that's, I don't know. It's like this business. I care about this business a lot. And I want, I've got a way that I think certain things should be done or what we should build. And, and that, that letting go piece, it's funny to even be talking about it because it feels like something that, I'm, that I have been specifically bad at. But we're always kind of bad at it until you just commit to doing it. And I like the 80% rule. I have a hard time with those quantifications because like, what does it mean for someone to be 80? Half the time now, anyone I hire is like 150% better than me at whatever thing they do. It's immediately like, yeah, that's what you need to be doing. But for, you know, we brought on a COO. uh, His name's Hank. He's, uh, he's, 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 I think he's the oldest person at this company. But, you know, I talked to him for about 10 minutes over lunch one day and I was just like, this guy, we need 
this type of wisdom and this type of experience, and we just don't have it. Like, mm-hmm. and we're smart and we're hustling, right. and we're, it's we're not like gonna crash into the mountain, but just a lot of that is just seeing what you you don't have, and you kind of need to like, I don't know, run into it and spot it, and you're like, oh yeah, that, and all the, you know, he's come in here and is making a big difference just all over the place. We're just kind of helping us professionalize and do things better that we just didn't even know about. Totally. Okay. So that's two of three. What's the third thing that on like creative entrepreneurs need to do to enter visionary status and not just stay a dreamer? So I've got here, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It's Mm. a phrase that I've said enough around here that they've, they've memorialized it on like a poster when I was out of town one time. But the, when you have a vision of what you want, <clears throat> that usually means you've got a pretty strong opinion about it. And you, you, you imagine what it could be, you care about how it fits together, and the, I, having, even if you don't let your fear get in front of you and you uh, delegate and elevate other people, you can still hold on to kind of like, oh, it needs to be this perfect, great thing, right. rather than it needs to be. Because it's your baby. Get, Done and shipped. You know, they say like, done is better than perfect. There's all these phrases that go around this that are a version of, yes, you know that it could be better. And that's what's hard. Like, it's hard to see something and know this could be better, but we have to run with it. I'm gonna throw everyone in this room under the bus. I saw a video that we made one time and I was like, I think this video could be better. But I care a lot more about the fact that that these guys are hustling kicking out these videos and and just really running at it than I do to try to jump in and say, what well, we should do this over here and change this up and undo a bunch of things. And you know what happened? Mm. They all got better. Like all the videos, everyone got better. And just like, just saying, hey, I th- I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand in front of this. I'm not gonna say it's not perfect, so we're not doing it. And I think it does, that kind of ties back to that like, fear or fear of looking mm-hmm. stupid totally or fear does. of it not working because you, yeah and so i i say it to these designers all the time i'm like the 10 minute version of your design right here is like 90% as good as the 8 hour version of you sweating it out and worrying about it or you think of um writing sending emails to potential customers or these type of things you can just you want to care about it and you want to do well, but just doing something is so much better than not shipping anything. And that is just universal across the board. I think that completing things, even if it's only to a state of 80 or 90% is a muscle as well. So you do it once and then the next time you get it completed 93% and then the next time it's 95. But the point is you've built a habit around getting the thing that needs to go off your desk off your desk. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's so many people that sit and like whiteboard shit out for years and think about it in their mind for way too long. And it's like, just get the thing done and then move on to the next thing because that in and of itself is a bit of a momentum builder. And I think, I think that's a really great point for dreamers who are just like, man, I've been like, I've been thinking of doing this forever. And it's like, what, like, why haven't you started? Yes. Yeah. And it breaking things into pieces and shipping them out, like you said. I think what you said with that 80% good enough but done, it's the same, don't, don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just, yes, you just have to get it out there. And you learn from that. That's like, 
a whole bunch of learning is from trying things. Right. And so we, you know, we try to break the work here down to like a bunch of different teams. And we're one of our focuses this year is on learning the idea of experimenting, failing, learning, and then sharing what you learned. So ideally other people don't either make the same mistake or they get an opportunity to, to win because they learned something from you. So like that iterative learning, man, I love it. So drop the fear of looking stupid, delegate and, ev- and elevate. And what do you, how did you phrase the last I one? I said, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Some amazing wisdom um, from one of our favorite entrepreneurs, Luke Hansen. Luke, let's, let's bring this home. Where can people find a little bit more about Company Cam? So companycam.com. Uh, at Company Cam on different social medias. Shout out to the TikTok team. Uh, most of the TikTok team is in the room here making great TikToks, Company Cam TikToks. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, uh, come find us online. We are trying to work hard and have fun. And I think you'll see from our stuff that we're doing online that we are having a good time. We're, we at Breakthrough Academy and Contractor Evolution are huge fans of Company Cam. We recommend all of our users or all of our members get on it. Um, and that, so there's an unbiased take. It's Force a, at gunpoint is what we're looking for. <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really good product, super intuitive, very easy to use, and it solves a lot of problems that you probably don't even know you have right now. Luke, thanks for doing this with me, man. Great to be here, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.